Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody, welcome back to Total Screamers. Uh, I'm Sybil, I'm joined by Jake. Say hello Jake. Hi guys, welcome back. And I'm also joined by Logan Egan, an American, I would say aspiring journalist, or would you, would you give yourself that full label at this point? Um, Honestly, one of the things that I've learned very quickly is that if you want to be a journalist, just pretend that you're a journalist, so I'm a journalist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joined by American journalist Logan Egan, we're really, really excited to have you on the show. Um, thanks for coming on. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. So you're pretty much... Your, your knowledge of like MLS is going to be way beyond us, so we just really want to sort of like pick your brain on it. Um, so you're currently so the team you support is Columbus, Ohio. I'm I'm right in saying that. Uh, yeah. So I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and our major league soccer team is Columbus Crew SC. We're actually the first major league soccer team in the United States. We have the very first soccer specific stadium in the United States, so it's pretty much one of the most one of the historical places for soccer in the United States. How strong would you say like the support is for a club like that? Because obviously, if you're saying it's like it's one of the originals, because the old clubs in like England and Scotland, like the older the club, like it feels like the stronger the support for that specific club. It's really interesting um, that you ask that because so back in 2017, the ownership for the Columbus crew announced that they wanted to move our team to Austin, Texas. And that was a big shock to a lot of people in the area that they wanted to leave. And one of the main things that they cited as the reason why they wanted to leave is because the support in Columbus, Ohio was not there and that they weren't getting enough season ticket sales and that people weren't showing up to the game. But what ended up happening is a grassroots movement of supporters for the Columbus crew started a movement called Save the Crew, where they pretty much got community support, government support to keep the team in Columbus, Ohio. And like there was a bunch of, you can see there was a bunch of posts on social media. There's a photo of Jurgen Klopp holding a scarf that says save the crew. And what ended up <laughs> happening was there was a, the ownership for the Cleveland Browns, the 
American football team in Ohio. They came forward and ended up buying the team and then saving the team essentially to keep it in Ohio, which so it's it's very interesting that you say like what's the support like? Because I think where I am it's very different in every city in the United States is very different where their where their level of support is. Would you say that support for sort of football in America is is, grew, is growing like steadily every year or would you say there was sort of like a massive jump and it sort of stayed at that level? How would you say the support for the football in America is sort of is growing or does it stay in the sort of on the same sort of level? I think every year it is growing. I think that it helps that Every year we're getting new teams coming into the coming into Major League Soccer or USL, which is the second and third tier leagues. We have a women's league that's continually growing. So I think it's continually growing. But I think one of the interesting things is, is where the support is for soccer in the United States. And what I've seen, and I know a lot of people have seen, is that if people people might be soccer fans or football fans as you guys call them but they might not be MLS fans so i yeah. know a lot of a lot of people would rather get up and watch the premier league at 7:30 in the morning than stay up and watch a 10:30 p.m. LAFC match so it really depends i think that major league soccer is a very niche group of people and it's growing in its popularity but it still hasn't hit where it needs where it needs to be or where it wants to be. But I think with the World Cup coming in 2026, that it's only going to continue to grow. A World Cup can change the entire outlook on um, football or soccer for whatever it is in a country. And a World Cup is like for for sort of like neutral football fans like me and Jake, who like we sort of cover different leagues and, and we're always watching football no matter what game. We don't just exclusively watch Liverpool. Um, so the World Cup is huge for us. We we love it, don't we, Jake? We love that yeah. that aspect of international football because it kind of grows beyond football and changes the entire it can change the entire culture of like a city for like an extended period of time where it's it, it could be absolutely insane i think you you'll be really shocked at the level of um support i think i think it could drum i could i think it'd be a turning point for for football in america or soccer in america definitely i think that it's always we've always seen it on the women's side with the united states women's national team cons- consistently making the World Cup semifinals or winning the final. Um, So there's always that success and excitement around it, but it's never really been there for the men's side. And I think that when we failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, it really jarred a lot of people. And it turned some people away from the game here, uh, especially the international game, thinking that our national team isn't good or whatever. But so I think that that really showed the value of a World Cup in making making a World Cup and competing well in one is. So I think that the 2026 World Cup is something that a lot of people in the United States are aiming for. But even before that, 2022 is something that is very important to soccer fans in the United States. And I think with the young crop of Americans who are traveling abroad and some that are staying in the United States is very exciting that the prospect of us competing at the World Cup and competing well amongst much stronger soccer nations. I think it's really important for for, for US soccer players to actually go abroad, um, just because you're never really going to... For Christian Pulisic, he went straight to a top club. Bruce Dortmund is absolutely massive. Me and Jake have seen him in the flesh. We've seen Christian Pulisic, he was standing about 15 metres away from us um, <laughs> when we were in the standing section at Bruce Dortmund. So that's the, the the facilities that these these clubs have. They're just absolutely the hundred million dollar facilities that they get to train in, and and the and the they train with the best sports scientists and 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 coaches in the world. That you know, I just don't think because um, 
MLS isn't isn't the isn't the biggest sport in in America. You're not really going to have those like two hundred, three hundred million dollar academies that you are going to get in, like say Bayern Munich or Manchester City or Liverpool uh, at the current time. I think that could change uh, as MLS grows because all all the things, all the stats say that MLS is growing every year. It makes some sort some sort of growth in support and 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 even monetization, which is why David Beckham was able to buy a football club because he made a deal. Was it 10, 15 years beforehand? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, if he was to do, if he didn't do that deal, there was no way he'd be able to afford to create a football club. Um, and that just shows like the sort of upward trajectory that um, that MLS is making. And I do think it's good to see US soccer superstars like um, Kristen Pulisic in the Premier League. And, the, and 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 essentially, Kristen Pulisic is playing in front of a hundred million people every time he steps onto a pitch because that's how big the Premier League is and worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that there is value for Americans to go abroad and to go abroad in like, to good teams. So, for example, in the summer, we saw Reggie Cannon, who was in in the Dallas franchise. He moved over to Boa Vista in Portugal, and he's played every single minute of their season so far. And he's really showed what talent can come from MLS and then move on to the bigger stages in Europe. We're seeing in January, Brendan Aronson, who is a young young midfielder from Philadelphia, he's going to Salzburg. Salzburg, yes. Um, and I think that there's a point that there is a place for MLS players to make a place in the national team. But I think that younger players, if they want to challenge themselves and get new experiences, it's only going to do them better. But I think one thing that I'm has that I'm always hesitant on is saying that someone has to go abroad to be successful because we've we've seen Americans stay in the United States who've been very successful in Major League Soccer and still contribute to the national team. Yeah, the likes of like Landon Donovan and people like that. I think you know they're players that I remember who came over to England just for loan moves when the MLS season was on the off season, and those mm-hmm. players would come over for like a few weeks and they train and play a few games with. Well, like Landon Donovan was at Everton, and obviously mm-hmm. he he was a massive player in America. He was you know the global superstar, wasn't he for for MLS? And when he came over here, I remember it was, it was quite a big deal that that he came over here, even if it was only for a couple of months. And as we've seen in the women's game, um, obviously Alex Scott coming over and playing for Tottenham, um, that created a, a, quite a big media sort of wave in for women's football over here as well. It got a lot of eyes on that. So like you say, the the big American superstars, when they do come over to the to Europe to play, even if it's for a few weeks, it does create quite a big buzz um over here as well. Yeah. I think because of the nature of the league as well, I think it's always highlighted when a when an MLS player um does go abroad and they do they kinda do um because there's so many eyes in America and obviously the MLS fans are probably interested in, in what happens to the players that play in their division when they go to uh, the abroad leagues. Like I remember the the coverage on Miguel Amaron when he moved to Newcastle was huge. Mm-hmm. It was it was huge, even though it was at Newcastle signing a player. Normally Newcastle signing a player, it will get sort of like it will get quite a lot of coverage because they are a Premier League side. But that was that that was like national, like international sort of news that that an MLS player was getting a move to the Premier League. And all the all the topics of discussion were would they make it? Can they make the step up in and obviously intensity because obviously Miguel Amaron was a superstar in the MLS um, and he, he is doing things he's doing really really good things in the Premier League and I think he's he's only getting better and he probably could move to a better side to be honest uh, and play at a higher level maybe play at European level as well um, but yeah I think it's just it's going it's, it's going to be interesting we'll be looking at in 10 years with 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 um, MLS and how and how on a level it will be considered on um, in terms of like the Premier League, say. Definitely. And I think that we're starting to see that now, just where teams are looking for 
picking up new talent. Um, I think I read a report yesterday that Juventus is looking at three or four MLS like young players that they're looking at signing. They're not making offers for them, but they're giving them looks. And I think part of that's because they signed Weston McKenney in the offseason on a loan and he's out there performing. He's scoring in Champions League. He's providing assists. He's making an impact. And I think people are starting to see, okay, maybe there is a market for this. Maybe we can find our own Weston McKinney. And not that Weston McKinney ever played in Major League Soccer, but he grew up in the academies. But then you have players like Tyler Adams who are scoring in Champions League semifinals. Mm. And now and he's <clears throat> over at Red Bull. It's There's just a lot more. I think they're starting to see the opportunities that are available in that the price tags on these players is not as steep because it's not as proven as going to, going into Argentina or somewhere in South America and signing a, signing a player. Yeah. Um, how much of an impact do you think David Beckham moving to, to LA Galaxy had on, on Major League Soccer? Because obviously before that, especially, you know, for me as a football fan, I, I, I knew obviously there was football in America, but I never really knew too much about it. And then obviously when, when Beckham went over there, it was massive, especially over here. It was, it remember Simo when Beckham moved to America, it was huge, wasn't it? It was in huge. It was every single paper and yeah. everyone was talking about it. So what was that like on the other side as, as an American when Beckham came over there? I think it made a difference in the league and where how the league was perceived abroad and to Americans. So before that, the te- there the te- the league was struggling. I mean, mm. there was a point where they had teams folding, like the original Miami team folded, a Tampa a Tampa Bay team had folded. So we were, you were starting to see all these things, and I think it was just there was never really a face to American like Major League Soccer. There was never really that person that was driving the narrative, like as like culture. Because the one thing with sports is. You can be, you, you can have like good players, but if there's no interesting stories or interesting personality, no one cares. Mm. So I think that David Beckham really was the first successful person coming into the league and being that like cultural driver of the league, like bringing in that superstars. And then, I mean, later on, we saw more stars start coming in. Like we saw Kyrian Re come in, Frank Lampard, all these players started coming into Major League Soccer and that kind of gave them an image as like a retirement league. So yeah. that was kind of what the image was for Major League Soccer for the longest time. And I think Major League Soccer's kind of taking a step back from that image now. And like the this has been very new in the past like two or three years, probably right around when Miguel Amarone went over to Newcastle is kind of when the idea of us becoming more of a selling league and looking to find talent, develop it, and then sell it on to Europe to grow it. Because then that brings new eyes on the league because they're like, oh, who's going to be the next big star that's going to come from Major League Soccer and go and play in the Bundesliga or the Premier League Mm. or La Liga, wherever in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, David Beckham kind of did open up the floodgates of like <laughs> the elite level players. These these the players that did go to MLS were were absolute elite level world eleven sort of like would get in the world eleven uh, in mm-hmm. their prime. Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Terry Henry, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, World Cup winner. You know, it, these these are huge names. It's huge names in football. Incomprehensible huge names. Um, to see them go in the MLS, I think it was good that it got eyes in the MLS. But like you said, after a while, it kind of did turn into this uh, retirement league. But I think it's definitely moved away with it. Moved away from it because we've, we've seen players maybe not not totally like thirty five years old, thirty six years old. We've seen sort of like 29, 30 year old players kind of move to the MLS. And um, 
having watched sort of uh, quite a lot of highlights and stuff like that, um, but there is there is absolutely good football in MLS. I remember I used to always watch um, Wayne Rooney's highlights when he was playing for uh, DC, Washington DC, DC United, yeah, DC United, yeah. Um, and some of his, you know, his his goals and his assists and ridiculous, was wasn't it? it? Was, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy watching and obviously. That put eyes on Wayne Rooney and obviously championship level teams were like, right, we, we want him. Uh, and the only reason he kind of probably, I think the only reason he probably left DC was because it would, it would suit him for moving transitioning into sort of coaching, like we're seeing him now just now, because it was a player coaching role that he was offered. Um, I think he's seen that as an opportunity he couldn't really turn down. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely good football to be seen in MLS. But a question I, I really want to get your opinion on is, there's no, there's no, there's no relegation in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that sort of the, the reason there is promotion in, in relegation is in in sort of almost every other league is um, to allow smaller teams to move move up and take the places of the of the, the giants and stuff like that, and also provides mm-hmm. a lot of there's not there's not quite like a relegation battle at the end of a season. It's, <laughs> it's really really entertaining. Um, if we we talk about relegation candidates just as much as we talk about title candidates, to be honest, don't we? Jay? Yeah, um, it's not much. Thoughts on that, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's, it's it's nothing. It's just nothing as good as like watch that team really fight for survival. Like everything's on the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there is a big debate in the United States about promotion and relegation. So, from my understanding, one of the difficulties for it is major major league soccer. So, all these clubs when they signed on to join major league soccer, they paid an expansion fee for like however many million dollars that it was when when they decided to join. And when they joined, they were under the impression that they were going to be in the top flight indefinitely. So I think that one of the big issues with it is that switching back on it, you're kind of going, you're taking the contracts that these clubs have written since the first expansion teams came in 1998 and saying, this is not what we're doing anymore. And I think that's one of the major issues of it. I think that there are definitely some questions about whether or not there should be promotion relegation. For example, FC Cincinnati has sat at the bottom of the table for two years in a row. Mm. And they they got they were in the second division and then they signed up, up as an expansion team to join Major League Soccer. They paid the fee, they marketed themselves as an MLS team, and then they flopped two years in a row. And they're continuing to stay in where there's other team there's other teams who are in the, the second division USL who have consistently succeeded, but are going to stay there. And I think part of it is just how the league was structured. And it shows kind of where American sports are and where soccer is in the United States. I always explain it as there's there's the way that um, world football is run, and then there's the way that American sports are, are run. And yeah. American soccer is trying to live in both worlds. They're <laughs> trying to live in a world where they're competing on a world market in getting eyes on on this league and they're competing in CONCACAF Champions League and then trying to qualify for the Club World Cup or, or whatever, whatever whatever they're trying to do to make themselves relevant in world soccer. But at the same time, American sports are nothing like that. We have salary caps in our leagues that prevent teams that prevent teams from spending way more than other teams. So that hurts so that so then major league soccer has to deal with that, but it creates parity in our leagues and you yeah don't know where teams are going to end up at the end of every season. We have playoffs because that's just something that American sports love. And whereas in the Premier League, you guys just have the regular season. Yeah, you have FA Cup 
in other cups throughout the year, but that's you guys don't value that as much as we value the MLS cup. And (laughs) that's just kind of where American soccer is, is we're just sitting in the space trying to appeal to American audience while living in a world market. I can see. Do you, do you think this is that's going to be the long term? Well, will, will MLS need to make a decision on where on what kind of side of that line they're going to live? I don't honestly. I don't think that they need to yet. At least I think the way Major League Soccer is so by twenty twenty three, I believe they're going to be up to thirty teams yeah. who are signed on to Major League Soccer, which is fantastic compared to where they started. And at there was points where they were down to like ten teams. So I think that they need to focus on getting more of that American audience involved because I think the world's the world soccer market is very saturated. I'm I'm going to be honest; it's hard to follow every single league in Europe and and Major League Soccer. And I feel like everyone feels that way and you have to make choices. So I think what you need to do is maybe work on trying to bring in the American fans that will go to the stadiums and watch the games. And then they will watch it on TV as well. And then at that point, your people over in Europe are still going to watch the games if they're going to be looking for the next big thing and I think it goes down to broadcast deals and just getting more eyes on the league and I don't think that that comes necessarily with promotion relegation I think that it would definitely make things more interesting but I don't think it needs to be done at least in the next 10 years yeah I mean I think you're definitely right I think 30 teams is definitely going to be much more interesting competition for me is 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 a key I like to watch the most competitive leagues what is why and and you're right you cannot watch Every league in football, in world football, there is no way you could, you could do that. I do. I do the Scottish. Uh, I watch the Scottish football. I support a Scottish team, which is my local team. And then I watch Premier League football as well, and I do a wee bit in the Championship as well. But that's that's virtually it. And in terms of anything outside that, it's mainly highlights that I'm watching. Yeah. Occasionally, I watch a, a full ninety minutes for a big game. Um, and then obviously there's the European campaigns of which I watch both of. I watch the Europa and I watch the Champions League. Uh, but you cannot, and it's like you said, broadcasters are they're just fighting for your eyes. They're fighting for everybody's eyes. Obviously, over here we have like fans of Italian football, fans of La Liga, fans of uh, Bundesliga, and us, an occasional uh, Ligue 1 in France. Uh, but yeah, you can't. You, there's no way you could watch like all the football <laughs> in the world. Uh, and MLS, if they want to grab outwards eyes, they would have to fight over those well-established leagues and generally people like what they like and if you like Italian football, you like Italian football. Um, so it's going to be hard to sort of get inward eye, outward eyes. But I think what you're saying is totally valid that start within, you know, get get Americans interested in MLS, start selling out stadiums, which I'm sure you do. Um, get it moving up sort of that tier of like, because I know you have so much sport in America, uh, <laughs> like baseball, American football, basketball, all huge giants that they're competing with. You don't really have that in Europe. Football is like outright. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it. That's what you watch. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I could definitely see the point in um, growing from within and growing that American fan base of MLS. And I think that one thing that Major League Soccer really, that a lot of people, it often gets made fun of for mm. this, but sometimes it's just, batshit crazy like like there was like, there was a game in the playoffs where the goalkeeper got a red card and the penalty kick shootout and so then some so, like second string defender had to go in the goal and he made the I've game seen that he, yeah it, <laughs> that was crazy <laughs> watching that game and just like seeing the reaction to players on the uh, to like people on the internet talking about this game as it was happening it was just like so indescribable and just so bizarre but it was so fun and I mean, it's not like 
and it was just like an interesting like it caused a lot of discussion about like what like how did the, like what happened like why how did the refs let, let it get to this it was and it was just like so interesting and then literally the next day there was another game and it went into it was it was going into ex like injury time and it was tied two to two i believe and then one team in kansas city's team they went up a 19 year old scored the supposed game winner then Right when you think the game's going to end, in like the 96th minute, the leading goal scorer all time in Major League Soccer, who this was supposed to be his last season playing in Major League Soccer, Major League Soccer, he was going to retire, but then because of the pandemic, he's kind of thought about against it. He ties it in the 96th minute, so it has to go into added extra time, and it was just so crazy. Like this stuff, like it, you just don't get this anywhere else, and it's fun to it's fun to watch. Like the characters are just as interesting as other leagues and. It's just so bizarre at points that it's fun. And if you just, I think that that's the one thing that if I can tell anyone is don't think of Major League Soccer as in American NFL. It's not that. And it's not a European Premier League, Premier League, league. it's it's his own thing. And, it, and it's weird in its own ways. And it's sometimes just hilarious to watch. And sometimes, you know, there there are boring games too, but there are so, so much entertainment can happen in those games that it's just wild i think so i definitely think so there's loads of i've watched loads of clips in that that the one about the goalkeeper you were talking about we actually kind of covered that a little bit on yeah. the screamers because it was just so so bizarre it was crazy and, and i i personally love that stuff in football jake knows this it's been me for you i like i love the <laughs> the gym the stage the theater of football uh and to see stuff like that is absolutely crazy and i remember st- i've had some you know standout memories of mls like i remember seeing Zlatan on his debut mm. it just tear it up like insane <laughs> and mm-hmm. then seeing him out um it's like you know like overhead kicks and, and all sorts and yeah I, I think yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a good brand uh, I want to see I definitely want to start watching a wee bit more of it it's hard to get here live in the UK yeah. uh, but mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoy the highlights and the rounds up that I see they see on Twitter quite a lot yeah I, I mean I think it's very interesting to think about think about it because just like how time zones work so I have a woman who's going to be on my podcast later this week who is out of Seattle and so she's three hours later than me and earlier than me and then you guys are five hours earlier than me so it's just how time zones work so you guys watching a west coast game in the united states is so late and then them and then the people on the west coast trying to watch european games it's like so early to have to get up like the early games for me are 7 30 a.m so it's like not terrible but Mm -hmm. it's it's, I think it's very interesting to see like how time zones also affect how people like watch games and like what they choose to watch. Yeah, it definitely does affect it, doesn't it? Because you know, Simo, like if there's boxing and stuff on in America, for us it's on it like you say ridiculous times of the night for us. So it's something you have to really plan ahead and and think, oh, I'm going to stay up and watch this. So I think that is a potential like a problem for for over here. But in terms of uh, highlight shows and stuff like that, you know, we get them on the telly, and there's always mls highlight shows and like you say Simo, some of them are really good to watch you get some really good goals and and some really it's it's just something different isn't it and um and it's a good alternative to, to your sort of mainstream standard football over here that you get you say yeah i think that that's just something that's very important is i think a lot of what happens within leagues is you compare leagues and i think yeah. everyone's everyone's a victim to, to it and everyone wants to be in that like group of like the these are these are the big leagues like the top five leagues in the world and you want to be a part you want to you want your players playing in these leagues and competing in these leagues and i mean that's great but in 
I, I like to think of it as like MLS is improving and it's its own unique product that you're not going to get over in Europe when you watch a soccer game. And I think that that's something that's important to think about. I would love to see MLS in European football, though. Like, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the highest stage, like, you, you take your champions and then you enter into, like, sort of the champions. Like, if you, even if you just had, like, one Champions League spot or something, I would still absolutely love to see that because <laughs> think of the away day, like... <laughs> You know, VJ, we fly out to America. That's summer way there. You know, <laughs> I get there a week before. You know, stay a week after. <laughs> That's it, though. You know, things like um, like a, an All Stars game as well, where you know you have a the MLS team play a, a Premier League team or something like that. You know, there's there's always options, isn't there, for these sorts of things? And and similarly, you probably hear it quite a lot in the UK. They always talk about trying to get over to America to to do these things, especially in sort of pre season times. For us, going to America is quite a big thing. Um, for the for the UK clubs, it's what they try to do to expand, obviously, their audiences. Everything's obviously money driven. So, for the I think for UK as well, expanding to America is still a massive thing um, because it's quite an untapped market in terms of football um, and soccer. It's it's relatively it's a goldmine of you know hundreds of millions of people that potentially could buy these products. Yeah, I think that that's something that's huge, and I think that on top of that, I think the way that soccer is in the United States, that it has the potential to grow beyond what American football is right now and what Mm. basketball is right now. I think that, first of all, at least for Major League Soccer, because the way our season runs, it runs March to November, December. So I think that whole summer month thing, all there is is baseball. And I think baseball, it takes a very specific type of person to watch it and enjoy it. But also, I think just the way that like the way that fo- football is running, and I think that the way that people are starting to look at concussions in like the yeah. game of American football, I think maybe not in the next ten to fifteen years, but maybe thirty to forty years, we start seeing a decline in what people watching American football, and maybe they're looking towards other sports. Yeah, I agree. Um, I th- I think that. Like you say, the the more they study about American football and things, the the, the appeal I think is starting to decline as well. Um, so it's potential that that the MLS can expand in those little markets and, and boost their ratings in that sort of way. Um, especially if 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 you keep producing some of the quality players that they have been, um, and and the I think the women's game as well as has a. Um, definitely massively helped football in america because we it in terms of women's football they are obviously the the, the number one team um so that that's always going to help bring more eyes onto onto it as well definitely yeah they are yeah. superstar level players aren't they yeah the the, the the women's um american national team because uh, that was, it was like jake said earlier it was, it was huge news when when they were coming over here to play um, for, for fans are uh, the women's game which mm. is growing stupidly rapidly right now in the UK definitely crazy um, starting to get starting to see I think Chelsea sold out uh, like before before the pandemic like 12,000 seats at a match just a league game crazy stuff you know it's only going to get better as well yeah I think that that's another interesting aspect of American soccer because you have our our women's league we have not every team is tied to a MLS team so for example we have a Sky Blue FC is out of New Jersey, but they're not part of the Red Bulls franchise or New York City FC. But we we also have other ones like Houston Dash and Houston Dynamo. They're tied together. Orlando City, mm-hmm. Orlando Pride. So you're starting to see t- them like para pair off like that. And I think that it's showing at least some some men's franchises around the United States that working with 
NWSL will help grow their team as well as yeah. the women's game. Definitely, definitely. Um, one thing I want to sort of move on is, so you're in a sort of journey right now to be, to be like a full-time journalist and you're working currently now with Columbus, yeah? Yes, yeah, um, um, I'm working in Columbus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you sort of like get started on that journey? What's the, what would you say is the sort of end goal for you? Yeah, so it's been very interesting journey for me. So I started out in, I played, I played soccer my whole life. I played in college for four years and then obviously graduated. And while I was at school, I was just really interested in like kind of what I was telling you guys about the weird stories that happen within soccer and just like how it brings people together and it unites people and there's just all the everything about like telling the story about like the game of soccer so with that I started out and I just wanted to work in sports overall as the city that I'm in Columbus we have Ohio State which is one of the biggest football France like college football teams in the country and so I I started working at a TV station. We covered the local soccer. We covered the crew a little bit. And then we covered, obviously, Ohio State football and other other sports that were around the area. And I think I learned pretty quickly that I was really interested in how people, not necessarily the journalists that I was working with were or the reporters, but I was really interested in like the communications managers and the people that worked for the teams. So with that, I ended up finding myself with an internship with the Columbus crew, the MLS team here in their digital department, helping them tell stories about their team and where it was going. And I had this internship right at that point of change where they got the new ownership. And so I just, I really fell in love with how stories are being, how they tell the stories of their own team and how you're at what you're being both biggest fan and you're also reporting on the team at the same time. I think that that's something that's very interesting when it comes to working in a sports team front office is that while you want to you want to be like objective, you do have a little bit of bias in everything you write and you don't have to worry about someone criticizing you for that bias because you're very open about it that you're representing that team. Yeah. So I interned there and since then I've graduated um, have just been picking up part-time projects here and there because obviously I think everyone amid the pandemic has seen that sports are not the most important thing. So I think when that happened, I just took a step back and figured out, okay, how can I build myself up, build my resume amid amid no games happening, no not being able to go into stadiums or whatever. And so I started my own podcast early in the summer just talking about – American soccer or talking about soccer overall with an American lens on it, because I think it's very interesting. And it's, there's a lot to talk about, even just focusing on Americans, MLS, NWSL, or just Americans abroad. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great. So like, what's it like then, like, you know, being working at the club that you, you support, you know, obviously me and Simo, if it, we were working at Liverpool, it'd be a massive, obviously a massive thing. You'd get that buzz every day going in. Is it, is it like that? Was it like that at the time? I think it was, it was very exciting just to be around the team and like interact with them. But I think there was a level after like the first like week or so of being like shocked, like, Oh my gosh, I'm here with our head coach or I'm, <laughs> or I'm walking by all these players all the time. I'm, inter- I'm interviewing them, interacting with them. And not that I had like unwielded access to them or anything. You know, I, I like would have like 10 minute conversations with them a week, maybe, but I think it was cool. But then you kind of got used to it 
Yeah. And I think one of my favorite parts was not necessarily like the big, like the games. Like I love, like, don't get me wrong. I love being able to go to games and like work them and get in for free. But I, what I really appreciated about it were the moments that no one else saw. So for example, there was a player on the Columbus crew who he retired, he ended up retiring after 2019, but every Tuesday he would do something called two a day Tuesdays. And he would, after practice ended and after he finished his weight room routine, he'd go back out to the field and run more drills. And he'd do that every single week without fail. And just, so just seeing like the little moments that people don't necessarily see about these people in like their moments. Um, another example is Zach Steffen. So he's currently at Manchester city, but he was at Columbus before he went over, he went over to Europe. And I remember his, I was working his very last game in Columbus. And after the game ended, I still had stuff to do after, you know, the final whistle kicks, you know, writing match recaps, getting content up on the website, making sure everything's up to date. And as I was walk, I had to walk around and do something at the other side of the stadium. So I was walking around on the concourse above the stadium and I look down on the field and I see Zach down there with his whole family taking pictures, like with his last game in Columbus. And that's just a moment that you don't get if you're yeah. just a fan in those like, like that moment, like, it's not like I'm like taking pictures, like, oh my gosh, like this is happening. It's just like, that's a little, that's just something that like, I, that I'm, sh- that I got a little glimpse into like them as people. So I think that's my favorite part. I can't imagine even having that peek behind the curtain. <laughs> I, I just, it sounds so amazing. So it does sound as if you're sort of like living a dream. Um, and yeah, it just it sounds absolutely class just to be like, like you say, like seeing a player that's an, a professional that's so dedicated to doing this is his drill. This is his Tuesday routine. And I'm st- sticking to that every week. I, I love those stories and yeah. again those aren't the stories that make the front news so they're, they're harder to come by and you really only get them by speaking to people like yourself um, and I, yeah, th- I think with that those are the stories that people need to be telling about players and coaches like the things that make them feel human because if you I think one of the one thing that happens is we often take athletes and make them seem like they're larger than life and yeah. they're they're great athletes but they're people too and I think that that kind of is what people want to hear is they want to hear about how they're human in the best ways possible not that they're often some scandal but that they're off like Marcus Rashford and every and all of his service work that he's doing like I love hearing about stuff like that. I love hearing about like the moments that make that these athletes feel like they're no different than you or I. And I think that that's one big thing that front offices need to need to make sure that they're doing and that teams are in that like journalists are make sure they're covering because those are the stories that people really care about. Those are the stories that, that, you know, I mean, there's such a, in modern day, particularly in the Premier League where it's these, these young, these young players are, are, are plunged into incomprehensible wealth, incomprehensible fame. Um, there really is like a barrier in between like them and the, the the media in particular because the media can be quite hard. The, the media is all bad news makes front front pages, like you say. Scandals make yeah. the scandals make millions, you know. Um, so they're very standoffish, and it's you've got to, you have got to look for for these sort of human like interviews where it's where it's a player you can they, they could sit down with a, a good a good journalist. It's not there for not there for the sun or something like that, you know. Um, and they have to sit down and have an actual human conversation. You can learn a little bit about what that what that player is like behind, you know, just the 
<laughs> you know, obviously they're, they're God-given talent or just being an absolutely superb footballer. You know, like, uh, but Liverpool is really, really moving in that direction of trying to um, give give out sort of light-hearted content, content sort of based on the personalities of the player. Yeah, bring out the personality of the players, isn't it? That's what it's, it's all about at the moment. Yeah. And I think that American soccer really yields itself to that like like you said it's we're not the biggest league in our own country we're not like media if i if i drop a name like i've talked to people on the phone and i'm like oh do you know who alex morgan is and they're like who Hmm. and that's she's one of the biggest stars in american soccer so uh, like some middle of the road mls player he's not getting the attention from media that necessarily like the big nfl players are getting so they're less they're it's easier to get them to be open and talk about their stories and stories about their life because they're not, because the people that are covering them are able to develop a relationship with them and not come at it. Like, Oh, I'm trying to get the next like big front page scandal, but I'm going to tell an interesting story about interesting people playing soccer. Absolutely. And those are the, those are the pieces that that, that matter more than the scandals, I think. Um, I mean, just that you mentioned there, like sort of because of the the, the other sport in America, that the, the MLS stars are they're not like held to the level of fame as they would be maybe uh, sort of Premier League stars in the, in the UK. I remember Stephen Gerrard talking about you know it was the first he was a superstar from the age of eighteen, um, and he said it like for, for the first time when he went to LA Galaxy the first time in my life I can just go down a coffee shop and mm-hmm. sit by myself and have a coffee and read a book and yeah. no one really bothers me because no no one really knows it. Whereas if that was to happen in the UK. There'd be, there'd be 300 people outside mm-hmm. that coffee shop within an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah so um, in Columbus, so Gonzalo Higuain's brother played here for many years. And there were always stories about how Gonzalo would come in, like, come in vacation in Columbus, Ohio over the summer and it's not it's not glamorous here like it's a, like it's a great city and i love it but it's not a city where you're it's not like it's not in la or miami that you people could go on vacation to like you, you come here and usually you have a reason but he would come here because it was just like he wasn't getting bombarded on the streets and yeah i mean there might be a few people that recognize him especially because of his brother but it's not but the way that people act and i think that also just being in like a media a medium big size city in the United States people kind of understand that okay you might see someone every once in a while and you don't make a big deal about it you just go maybe you say hi how's it going can i get your autograph but not it's not as big of a deal and i think that that's very appealing to stars that come to the united states that's what it's like for me um because I, I live in glasgow in scotland uh, mm-hmm. i see footballers like all the time me and my girlfriend see footballers all the time we've seen um you know a, a range a player that plays for rangers just walking around ikea you know getting some <laughs> shot <laughs> you know? so it's, it's like it, they aren't leveled to the to the players obviously the privilege i think that has a certain appeal to, to, to certain players as well um but yeah, it's just been a it's been an absolutely superb insight uh, into American football or uh, American soccer, should I, should I say? <laughs> Old habits die hard. Um, <laughs> Logan, um, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Logan Agin, L O G A N A G I N, or you can listen to my podcast, the Number Ten Podcast. Um, usually every week, I go on and I talk about ten big things that happened in American soccer, and then every once in a while, I'll bring on a bring on some guests i'm actually going to have the total screamers on in this week <laughs> and talk about what's going on in the premier league and why americans should care about that so come out come on listen, listen to my podcast i try to give you insight on what's going on in american soccer and interesting things that 
are happening to just keep you up to date on the leagues and where it's growing. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Logan. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks very much for joining me again, Jake. Pleasure as always. Okay, and we will be back probably, when are we back, Jake? Tomorrow with oh, uh, Premier League review? Yeah, preview. preview. Yeah. We'll be back at some point. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for listening. Uh, cheerio, bye. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.